You know, there are three motives by which people serve God. Some people serve God out of fear. And that is a legitimate motive because Proverbs 1 tells us that the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is the fear of God. But it's the beginning. And it's only the beginning. It's not the end of how we serve and how we know and how we learn. It's where we begin. The fear of the Lord is only the beginning. And fear there does not simply mean, as some people think it means, the awe and respect that we have toward God. There is a note of fear, of terror, before a holy God who is great and powerful. That note never quite leaves that phrase in the Bible, even though some people try to erase it. And so some people do serve God because of fear. And all their lives they serve for no other reason than because they're afraid of what might happen if they don't serve him. That's not the way God really wants believers to serve him. He wants them to go beyond fear. Though they might begin that way, though they might see the awful terrors of hell and the awful wrath of God, and they might see that it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God and they might come rushing to the cross of Jesus Christ and trust him as their savior because of fear God doesn't want them to go on as Christians serving only for the same reason it's true that even as a father there is something to fear at God's hands because he tells us in Hebrews that he disciplines his children and discipline is not always a very pleasant thing. It's painful, he says. And so we can go on as his children, only doing what he wants us to do, as a son only does what his father wants him to do when he sees the whip in his hand. But that isn't the way that God wants us to serve him. Well, perhaps a little higher than that is duty. And there are people who serve out of duty. There are people who serve because it's the thing to do. It's the thing that everybody in our family has ever done. It's the thing that everybody in our culture has ever done. It's the thing that everybody in our church has ever done. It's traditional to do this. And if I'm out of step, I'm out of sync with everybody else, and my duty is not being fulfilled. Duty can be a good thing. When we know what the Lord wants us to do and we do it, that's good. Even when we don't feel like doing it, we do it. And that's good. And we'll say more about that in a moment. But to merely serve him out of duty, because we have to, because we know what he wants and we know we ought to be doing it, period, is not enough. It's not enough and of course there are some people who serve God for personal advantage alone what they can get out of it so often we see this in the counseling room somebody comes and says I'm here because my wife has left me and I say to that person uh, what do you want me to do about it I want you to get my wife back 
I'll do anything to get my wife back. Sometimes people think when they, the counselee says, I'll do anything to get my wife back, that that's a very highly motivated person who will cooperate with everything that you say and who will move quickly in counseling. Well, he's highly motivated, but I have to argue with him about his agenda at that point. I have to say to him, you tell me you will do anything to get your wife back? He says, yes, I'll do anything. So I say, would you lie? Would you steal? Would you commit adultery? Would you commit murder? Well, he says, y you know what I mean. No, I say, I don't know what you mean. Where would you draw the line? Would you do what the Word of God tells you to do merely as a gimmick to get what you want, namely to get your wife back? Or would you do it because God says so and you want to please Him? There's a great difference between doing what God says for personal advantage and doing what God says because you want to please him. We have to debate his agenda until he puts doing what God says in order to please him as the top priority item and getting his wife back number two or three somewhere down the list. It's not wrong to want his wife back, but it's wrong to want his wife back and use God as a means to get what he wants. And an awful lot of people serve Christ that way. They think of God as a great cosmic dispensing machine. And if you put the right prayer coins into the right slots and push the right buttons, then out comes whatever you want. I've got news for you. God is a sovereign person who does what he wants, when he wants, in the way that he wants. And you must relate to him as a person. He's not a machine. He's not a force. He's not some kind of an impersonal power that you can plug into and get what you desire. God is a person. And you must deal with him as a person. To a person. And a person must be pleased. You see... The motive God really wants us to have when we serve him is right here in this passage. I urge you. That's why he doesn't command. He doesn't want us to serve merely on the basis of a command. I urge you, brothers, because of these mercies from God. There's the real motive for serving our God. Because of his mercies to us. Gratitude is the motive for serving God. Gratitude. Is your heart cold this morning? Is your heart unfeeling today? When you think of God, is he just another person bigger than others, but just another person on your horizon? Or whenever you hear about God and think about God, does something happen inside of you? Do you feel something? And recognize that you're truly grateful for all he has done for you. You know, Christianity can become a professional way of life. 
And after you've lived with it and grown up with it and learned all the catechism questions and gone through all the routines and the rituals and done all the right things and know when to stand and when to sit and when to eat the next peppermint, when all those things happen, Christianity can become a cold, lifeless thing. It can become a routine that we walk through without reality down deep inside. If there's no warmth down deep when you think about God, if there's nothing that thoughts of God do to you to stir you to gratitude, and you need to hear what he said. He says, I urge you, brothers, because of these mercies from God, you need to start counting your blessings. You need to start thinking about what God has done for you once again. Do you remember back when you first came to know Christ as your own? Do you remember back when you first came to the realization that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on that cross in your place, bearing your guilt and your penalty for your sin, and that he suffered there and he bled there and he gave himself there for you? Do you remember what that did to you inside? How that warms you up inside? How you were so grateful and so thankful for all that he had done. You remember that? Where is that first love gone to? 